Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan alongside John McAlevey. Welcome to the More Sports Now podcast. As the World Series is two games in and the world a little bit of surprise, Washington has won the first two against the Houston Astros, and now they go home with dreams of winning the championship on their home field. The Mets are still looking for a manager. The Yankees are licking their wounds, and there's nobody better to talk about those topics and more when it comes to baseball than Kevin Kernan of the New York Post, a longtime friend who has graced us uh, with his presence on our podcast throughout the years. And Kevin, thanks very much for giving us a few moments of your time today. Good to be with you guys. So your thoughts as Washington has come out and taken a two games to none lead over Houston, winning both games uh, away from home. And now things set up. If they can do the job, they can finish things in our nation's capital and win their first ever championship. Absolutely. I mean, I covered them. Uh, you know, I did the, uh, the NLCS and, you know, I've covered them all year. I know Kevin Long very well. I, Last week, I did a big piece on Kevin Long that uh, basically laid out exactly what's happening, why he's so, so successful as a hitting coach, <laughs> why they're so good as hitters. And, and, and gentlemen, as you know, I'm a big proponent of making contact in this whole launch angle world, go for the home run. That's great. It's entertaining during the season. It doesn't work in the postseason as well. And I think you're seeing another example of it. They um, in the game where they beat the Cardinals seven nothing, I mean seven to four. They scored seven runs in the first inning without benefit of a home run. Mm-hmm. You know that that uh, sacrifice bomb, a sacrifice fly, three opposite field hits, and that's the wave of the future. The teams that are really serious about being successful, teams that don't know what they're doing, will continue with their uh, BS type of hitting. Um, where you can't make contact and you don't drive in runs. And and then, of course, you know, the obvious thing, we didn't get to it, but Scherzer and Strasburg are just phenomenal. Uh, they spent the money they got Corbin. The Yankees didn't. Um, they rebuilt the bullpen on the run. And the thing I like most of all about Washington, they're a scout-based team. Mike Rizzo is the son of a scout. His dad, Phil, who's 90 years old this November, is still a, a um, still works for the club as a special advisor, and they also had the, the sense to uh, hire Jack McKeon this year as another senior advisor. Jack's eighty eight, so um, you know, and Jack still acts like he's thirty eight, forty eight, <laughs> fifty eight, whatever. He's a you know Jersey guy, wonderful guy, knows sharp as anything, very sharp still, and he's. My point is, all these guys, and they have Eddie Longos, who's a he's a director of scouting, totally underrated. You never hear him put up for jobs because, uh, you know, he's not in the media, the hot media group of uh, of assistant GMs, which just basically means guys that give information to other media guys. That, that's always the hot group. It's the people who just uh, BS their way into other jobs, so they become GMs and. Those GMs have basically ruined baseball. That's why baseball stinks now for the most part. It's so much fun to see Washington play real baseball and and just walk all over the Astros. Yeah, and, and, you know, last night I'm watching the game, Kevin, and uh, I see Altuve. They're down 2 nothing. Altuve gets a double, and he tries to steal third with a left-handed batter up. And I know John Smoltz said third is the easiest base to steal, and I'm going like, what am I missing? I, I, I wasn't sure about the fundamentals there. What, is, what was your take on that? I mean, they wound up tying the game, and that's not the reason that they lost, but... You know, what's your take on that particular play by Altuve, who's a fantastic player? Yeah, I love Altuve. He, he might be my favorite player in the game right now. 
I think it's a, it's a case of a player trying to do too much. He knows the game so well. He very, he very rarely makes those kind of mental mistakes. But then again, the other day, George Springer made a bad mistake too. Didn't run the bases on the, on the shot that should have been a triple. And, um, um, and this was an over exuberance mistake and it happens. Uh, you, you gotta be smart. Like you say, left-handed batter, uh, you're already in scoring position. It's a panic move in some ways. And that's, uh, you know, that's what happens sometimes though, when I, I'm sure, and, and believe me, the Astros are a very good team. I'm, I think the two best teams in baseball where they should be in this world series and someone has to win, someone has to lose. But I think because the Astros, weren't with me watching that NLCS. And it's my understanding that they really don't have advanced scouts anymore. They do everything off a of video. Mm. So, uh, you know, while, 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 while it seemed like the Nationals had, you know, probably five, six, seven scouts checking out the Astros, the Astros didn't have that vice versa. And um, <clears throat> so I think, I think my gut feel is, and I don't have this based on any, and nobody's told me this, but it's my gut feel, my gut's usually pretty good. That they they're so shocked they can't believe how good the, uh, the the Nationals are, and it's really hitting them. And so as a result, you maybe you get a move like that where where Altuve tries to do too much, and um, uh, it, this happens. And Verlander really has been the same since uh, he pitched on three days rest. Um, so it's uh, I'm not saying the Astros couldn't come back because they can come back. I think the good news for the Astros is they really know how good. Um, the Nationals are right now, right? And I think they'll they'll recalibrate in in Washington, and um, you know, and also Strasburg. Strasburg to me is probably the best pitcher in baseball right now, other than Ger- Jared Cole. Jared Cole and and Cole, and you know, we saw what happened in Game One. But Strasburg's changeup is filthy. I mean, it it literally, uh, you know, it really is the old fashioned drops off the table with movement. And, and he's matured a lot. Here's another good thing to know about the, uh, the nationals too. And Davey Martinez, the reason why they hired the, the big, they built Parrot in as a, a utility player is because Davey Martinez knew him so well and he knew he would run the clubhouse pretty well in a way like using things up. And so he created a whole baby shark mania. Hey. Um, they also did things like they, they dance with Strasburg. Strasburg is a, you know, I know him pretty well. He's a San Diego kid. He's a very quiet kid. They were hugging um, him in the, in the dugout at that one point I saw last night. Yeah. They love to do that. They love to do that. Yeah. They love to hug him in the dugout because he hates it. That's why they love to do it. And it's baseball fever. That's what baseball players do. Yeah. You know, but it's a way of becoming a team. And Strasburg is, is to his credit is playing along with it. Absolutely. Dancing with those, dancing with guys, and and so they have it all going. It's fun to watch, and uh, it's a shame the Yankees aren't there, and and it's really a shame the Mets aren't there because the Mets certainly have the pitching to match up with the, yes, the and, Nationals. And you mentioned that Houston is a bit shell shocked. One thing that I guess people that watch baseball maybe just getting to it, they don't see the Nationals play all that much, is that we should not be shell shocked anymore with how good Juan Soto is, especially with the mm-hmm. bat in his hand. I know reading your column. And listening to some of the comments John Smoltz had from Kevin Long, he mentioned that Kevin Long said that if uh, he's going to get a fastball maybe in the first inning or at some point against Garrett Cole and he's going to knock one out of the ballpark. And lo and behold, he did just that. He's a special talent at I think he's going to be 21 in the next couple of days. Tell us about um, your your instincts and what you think that uh, the future looks like for Juan Soto. Well, here's what you don't know about Soto and Kevin Long. And Mike Rizzo told me this. Um, the day before game four, 
Minnesota was struggling in the NLCS. The game before game four, he stayed until midnight working in the cage with Long. And that home run was a direct result of that. He's gone the other way. You know, he's got such power. And that's what Long was, was trying to convince him of. Just hit the ball the other way. Don't, you know, he was he was basically getting out front too early. That's why he was struggling. 20 years old, but he has an ability. Long, uh, Soto has the ability to um, to make adjustments on the fly, learn from it. And, you know, I had a few conversations with him during the NLCS and during the season. Very impressed with him. He's, um, you know, I know there was a lot about the cross grabbing and all that stuff, but that's just his mental way of saying this is my, yeah. my batter's box. Yeah. It's a new era. You know, it wouldn't fly back 30 years ago. But, the, you know, guys did that in the old days, not not necessarily grabbing stuff, but they, they made it clear that this is my box. Mm-hmm. And then pitchers made it clear it isn't when they would throw up and in. But <laughs> the game has changed to that degree now. But Soto, I think, is a superstar. And that's one of the points I want to make. I mean, Alonzo is a Mets superstar, but Soto is, is their superstar, young superstar. So, you know, that it's amazing that the comparisons between the teams, you know, having young players plus having the pitching. The problem for them, if I just segue to the Mets for a second, um, the Mets, whenever they started to do well, they thought they were better than they were, and they would suddenly think they were really great, and then they would just let their, you know, let their guard down. And I was there in the game where they gave up seven runs in the ninth inning to the Nationals, and that was the game that put the Nationals over the top, no matter what anybody tells you. That was the game. Nationals would not be here now if they did not have that seven-run rally against the Mets and Edwin Diaz and, and company because that, that proves to them that they, they, they're they better than the better. They can't be beat, you know, if if, if, if they put it all together. And that, that, that solidified who they were as a team. So the Nationals had a much deeper hunger of success and work ethic in a way more than the Mets did in a way. And, um, not that the Mets didn't work hard, but these guys were driven. And you got, you know, we haven't even mentioned them, but to me, Rendon has the smoothest swing in baseball. And he's, he's a, he's a, he's a no frill superstar. I love that. He's kid. a no drama superstar. And he's, it's so different than Bryce Harper. All of Bryce's talents, um, Bryce sucks the energy out of a room because it's all about him. And I think I, I, and I, I wrote this during the season when I was, down in Washington, I talked to a lot of Nationals people and clubhouse people and players, and the, the, without a doubt, they all said they were kind of relieved that, uh, off the record, they said it, you know, the background, that they were relieved that Hart, not, nothing against Harper as a person, they all kind of liked them, but it was too much. It was too much. It took, it just took everything centered toward him. And baseball's not that kind of sport, whereas Rendon is the complete opposite. I mean, he just gets up there, hits a sacrifice fly, hits a double, hits a homer, hits a you know. He's got an amazing uh, – it's like uh, Tom Slater, who's the assistant hitting coach of the Mets, who used to work for the Yankees for many years in the minor leagues. He he, he, he told me this about uh, Torres, uh, uh, Glaber. He said, when he hits a ball, it stays hit. And that's a good baseball expression for, like, the ball just keeps picking up going and going and going with the spin and uh, that's what Rendon does when he hits the ball it stays hit so no, he's, um, he's just a terrific talent terrific player so <laughs> yeah so again we're not it's, the Nationals are shocking people but really if you look at them they have a ton of talent and they've overcome 
it's so ironic. I mean, it's so ironic that it's the year that Harper's gone, but it tells you a lot about baseball. Well, and it also, uh, and listen, Bryce Harper is uh, a magnificent talent, but Philadelphia didn't benefit by his presence or the big contract. And this morning it was announced that Joe Girardi has been named as their manager. At least that just before we stepped into the studio, that was the report, which means he's not going to the Mets. I didn't think he was ever going to go to the Mets. I think the fans wanted it to happen. I think they were hoping to pressure uh, and some media members pressure the Wilpons into making that decision. But, you know, we were talking a few weeks ago, uh, John, Steve, and myself about who the Mets have hired since Bobby Valentine. And if you look at it, there's no one of that pedigree of a Joe Girardi with that kind of a presence. Jerry Manuel, Willie Randolph, Art Howe, Mickey Calloway. Uh, I mean, you can't. You can't complain about uh, what Collins did. He got him to the Terry Collins, got him to the World Series. But at any rate, not necessarily a big name guy. I don't know that you necessarily have to hire a big name guy, but I didn't think Girardi or Buck or Madden or any of those big names were going to go there. Who do you think they turned to? Well, first of all, with Girardi, I talked to Joe throughout the playoffs. I saw him here and there in Houston doing the ALDS. And, you know, there was no doubt in my mind he was coming back. You know, there was no doubt in my mind he was going to Philly. And I basically wrote that, you know, it was a dream. It's a pipe dream for the Mets fans because Mets fans live in a pipe dream world. They, absolutely. They absolutely. They don't look at reality. You know, and that's the one thing that frustrates me most about them because, and then you, you point it out and then they'll say, oh, like you can't take your time getting a manager, you know? So it says, so they went it both ways all the time and it's, it's, it's very, uh, it wears you down. And, and in a way, uh, they've been beaten down because of this, but, Two things here. If you have any common sense, first of all, Joe's still Joe Girardi. He's very, up, he's not uptight. He's very, I got to find the right word, but Joe, you know, I did a book on Joe called Passion and Pinstripes, Girardi, Passion and Pinstripes, and it deals with how he grew up and everything. And it really lays out who Joe is as a person. And, um, and, and Joe, he's so, uh, he's so uh, forceful in wanting to succeed that, He's still a little high strung, and that high strung that that'll work somewhere. It wouldn't work with the Mets. Philly is a perfect fit for him. There's just enough media, um, and uh, you know people want to win. The owner wants to win. They'll spend money. I mean, Joe's not stupid. Joe's a very smart guy, and, and when it comes to you know where to, where to go next, and. Um, he, uh, he, you know, that's a way better job for him than the Mets, where the, he, he would have been the media pressure. First of all, you don't put the Yankees to the Mets. You're always, do the Mets really want to depend on the next Yankee for success? That's not the way the Wolfpans react to things. So they want to cut, cut their own course. Plus, Brody, Van Wagen, and he wants, and I have no problem with this. Every GM should get their own, get their own manager. And so he's going to, I only hope that Brody Van Wagen inside their sky in the Wolfpans line. This is a GM hire, not, a, not not an ownership hire. And ownership should not even be involved in the, in the meetings. And, and the shame of Mickey Callaway was that Mickey was a pretty smart guy, knew what was going on, but Mickey became a puppet. And once he became a puppet for ownership and, and Brody, he lost, he lost the clubhouse, lost everything. If Mickey had stood up to certain things, I think he'd be a good manager. And I think down the road, Mickey will get another shot and he'll be good. Well, um, in a different situation. Well, you know, you do bring up a good point there. Uh, once you lose the clubhouse, you're in big trouble in baseball, in any sport, really. I do remember back with the Devils um, when, you know, Lou Lamorello certainly was a presence as the general manager. 
But there was a line that Pat Burns, who won a championship with the Devils in 2003, would not allow him to cross. And at one point, uh, the Devils were in a bit of a state of flux. And he told the team, if you don't want that guy pointing to the GM, you know, up in the air, pointing toward the GM's office to come down here, then you got to start doing this. If you don't want, so if you want him to stay outside, you got to start to do this. And the players kind of coalesced around that. There's got to be that line. There's no question about it. Here's the other thing though. Even though baseball manager spots are rare, right? There's only 30 of them. And Joe, once you get off, you're never sure you're really going to get back on. So Joe's anxious to get back in. I get it. Who's their third baseman next year? What are they going to do with Robinson Cano? You know, what are they doing with the closer? What are they doing with the setup guy? What do they got in center field? They've got Alonzo. They've got a couple of other pieces, no question about it. But is this really a great job for someone of Joe Girardi's pedigree to step in and take? I don't know. I don't think so. And ownership, no, I don't think so. and ownership won't spend. They can say all they want. They will not spend. No, and that's the bottom line. And Joe, once Joe quit the job at the USA team, I think uh, what what bracket age bracket it was. But I was with him in um, Houston. We were sitting down talking before a game, and you know, it came out that he, you know, couldn't couldn't coach that team. That told me right then and there that he had he had something locked up. And that's when I started figuring it would definitely be the Phillies. And um, and he, you know, this owner of the Phillies really wants to win, and he's kind of like Steinbrenner, you know. So he's kind of like Jim Crane is that way too. And also to some degrees, let's not you know the learners, even though the learners are very cheap in watching certain areas um, because they don't have the TV deal, I believe. But um, you know, they've done a good job. They went out and spent. They you know they got Strasburg. They, you know they, they went out and got uh, you know they paid Strasburg to stay. He can opt out, and he probably will. But um, you hit it right in the head, and it's the same old story. And we'll see. There's so many holes. The mess. Plus, we didn't get into Thor. Is he going to develop? Is somebody going to unlock the key to make him the pitcher he should be? Mm. They're going to really miss Zach Wheeler. <clears throat> you know, they've kind of downplayed that, but he was he was key for them. And um, you know, the catcher's only going to be a year older. You're still going to have that issue all spring, and the, when the season starts. You know, I watched the game the other day. Suzuki's catching Scherzer. You know, yeah, everywhere I go, everybody has a personal catcher. Only the Mets would make the Syndergaard thing into a, into <laughs> a, you know, beat down the player. When, uh, when Syndergaard, Syndergaard, you know, Syndergaard, I thought Syndergaard did a, a good thing standing up and saying, you know, this is what's best for me and it'd be best for the team. And, and, how, and we're not talking about you know, this, this, this uh, what's the Ramos? wasn't Thurman Munson. And what's the big deal? Sit him down. And he and he's the kind of guy that would like to be sat down every once in a while because he's getting older. So right. again, common sense and the mess really, really they they rarely intersect. Yeah, you know? Two they, ships it's passing in the night. A, yes, it's just it's an organization and I've had it with them. And you if I you know, I don't know how much longer I'm gonna work, but uh, they're on my. They're in the bullseye for me for going forward. Bring it, big listeners. fella. Bring it. Yeah, I'm somebody's got to call him on it. I, somebody's got to call him. I bring it all the time, and I'm just tired of their BS. I do like, I do like Alec Baird, who's kind of like an assistant uh, for Brody. I don't know how much he does, so I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt. He came from the Red Sox, came from the Royals. I right. think he knows what he's doing. But as far as anybody else knowing what they're doing in that organization. You know, I like a lot of the coaches. I think they know what they're doing, but mm-hmm. they're they're hamstrung. 
but uh, it's DeGrom, and DeGrom, you know, DeGrom could take a more of a leadership role. And then, uh, you know, their, their training methods, the borrowers, it goes all the way back. You can just, anything, you can look at what I've written through the years. Sure. I've, 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 I've attacked them, but I'm really, I've gotten to the point now where I'm fed up with them. Yeah, once, you're done. Once I'm fed up with you. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> and that's the jersey in me. You got to bring out the jersey in me That's now. it. And if the, Mets if the Mets don't bring it, if the Mets don't turn it on and do the right things, and I don't want to hear any more garbage about, you know, their analytics guys, you know. Yeah. yeah. I know for a fact, for a fact that both Dave Island and Mickey Calloway told Brody Bear Martin, I'm not sure exactly the date, but I think it was the, the, the winter meetings the day before. They both told him, whatever you do, don't bring familiar back. Don't bring familiar back. He can't handle New York. He'd be better <laughs> off in another situation. Brody basically yesed him to death the next day or the day after, whatever, a very short period after. They, 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 they wake up to find they, they sign for me. <laughs> so that's what the Mets are. And, that's what they and are. Mets fans, the Mets fans better get some reality, too. No get doubt. out of the dream world. It's not 1969 anymore. It's not 1986. Yep. It's, you know, it's, it's a joke what's going on with that organization. Welcome to the future. So before we uh, turn our attention to the Yankees for a bit, just throw out a name who you think the, Nets, uh, the Mets do hire as their next skipper. Yeah, you know, like like I, I've been very consistent. When I know things, I say it, and I'm usually right. When I don't know things, I don't, I don't, right. I don't make believe I know things. No, but I'll, I'll, I'll throw some options out there. Yeah, you know, I, I have a sneaky suspicion, though. You know, because I, like I said, I think Brody should be able to hire his own guy. I'm getting a feeling that it's going to be, you know, one of these young guys, and. And, you know, maybe, uh, I know Bogart is close to Allard. It just depends who has Brody's right. ear. Yeah. And now, uh, to me, that would be the best hire, Bogart. Um, mm -hmm. Not that I know him or anything like that, but I would have faith that Allard knows what he's doing. He worked in the Red Sox organization. Yes. The spotter's been around. The spotter could be good, but I, I, I just find it hard for them to go to Mickey Callaway route again, even though Bogart would be that way. But my point is, they Someone high up in the Mets organization really knows Bogart, so so that tells me they know him. Okay. The others would be guesses at this point, but Halloway was a guess. He had a dinner with Fred Wilpon. They loved the dinner. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's the manager, and but then they cut him off the knees. So so yeah. in a way, they they created Mickey Calloway, and they didn't let him do his job, and then yeah. they blame Mickey Calloway, and that's the Mets way. Yeah. And now we'll turn our attention to the Yankees and raise your hand if you had DJ LeMayhew going at uh, hitting 327 with 26 home runs, 102 RBIs. I mean, was that an amazing signing for the Yankees or did they just find lightning in a bottle there? Yeah, that was a great signing, but I knew he was going to be good. And I, Tracy Ringles, he's a longtime friend of mine from uh, Colorado. Colorado, yeah. Colorado, crazy legend, Hall of Fame writer. Deserve it, Hall of Fame writer, and not all of them are deserved. Um, and and Tracy was the first call I made once his name popped up, and Tracy said he would be fantastic here. Mm -hmm. He's a you know he, he and when I when we made who got here, and I got this spring training, got a chance to talk to him. He told me he said he felt comfortable here because they told him all he's got to do is hit the ball in the middle, you know, and that's that's who he is. They took all the pressure off him, no home runs, blah blah blah, mm. and it, it was it was a great signing, and you know for that kind of money. Um, and, and, and you know what? Kudos to the Mets, uh, the Yankee scouts. Was the, the, uh, you know, they could have turned around and signed, uh, you know, and how about Colorado? They gave that same money to Daniel Murphy, who is well past his prime, bad knees, 
same money, and they had LeMay right in front of them. What does that tell you about that organization getting back to my point about GMs earning teams? You're right. To let this guy walk away, and you don't know people, and that's again, getting back to the mess because everybody comes, pain comes back to the mess. They don't <laughs> know people in the organization. They didn't know how good McNeil and Alonzo were. And I'll clearly, the Rockies had no, no clue how good LeMahieu was. A couple of Yankee scouts got in on it, figured it out, sold Cashman on it. Chris Cashman, I miss, he didn't have no clue LeMahieu was anywhere near this good. And, and the Yankees made a great hire, which offset some of their bad hires. Amazing. And I, you know, doing a little research before uh, we came on this morning, I, I was not a big uh, up on the whole DJ LeMahieu story, but I saw in all those years in Colorado, the most home runs he hit were 15. And then he comes here to Yankee Stadium. I know that right short right porch uh, helps everybody out, but uh, to hit 26 home runs there. Now, how about next year moving forward? Where does he wind up playing? What are they going to do with the infield? I know that uh, Gio Urshela had a great season. Uh, Miguel Andujar will be back. Um, Glaber Torres, is he, is he a second baseman? Is he a shortstop? And, you know, Luke Voigt at first. The Yankees have a lot of questions around the infield. Yeah, they, and they made some bad decisions, too. They got exactly what they deserved. They should have. Um, um, I was in covering the Tampa uh, Houston series and one day I snuck over to a Yankees uh, camp and talked to Frazier and Mike Ford. Both those guys should have been on the playoff roster. The fact that they put Stanton on the playoff roster um, was a big mistake. He wasn't healthy all year. He turned out to get hurt again. Mm. And for all his mistakes, uh, Frazier would have at least added some speed and youth and, and, and a quick bat that they could have used. Um, his defense is terrible, but then again, they, they've got to work with that to make it better. It doesn't just happen. And Ford proved his medal during the season that he became a great left-handed bat, you know, and not to have him on the playoff roster with Frazier, I think was a mistake. So, uh, so they, they're going to have to reevaluate what they're doing with the organization because do you bring those guys? Do you bring Frazier back, or do you trade him? Or like you say, do you, do you let Didi go? I, my, my gut feeling, that's what I've seen, and I, I know how the Yankees think. They think they think they're smarter than everybody else, and they can come up with somebody uh, diamond in the, in the rough and put him at. Uh, and you know, my, my gut feeling is that Didi will be gone, mm. and that they'll, um, they'll, they'll they'll make a deal for a shortstop or a Boris Lutores over to short. And then you put LeMayo at second. If they don't do that, I think he's right. fine right where he is at first base. The Boyd situation, we see, we've got to see where that goes. I'm guessing that'll have some kind of surgery in the offseason. Um, um, but uh, yeah, they got a lot of question marks still. Their pitching's got a lot of question marks still. Um, Paxson has developed into a pretty good starter, but he's still not the, the upper echelon starter. And right. do they sign? The biggest question that they signed. That was my next question for you. Yeah, that was yeah. my next question. Well, they. My answer is no. My answer is simple no. Okay. I don't think he'll do it. I think he'll wind up. He's a California kid. Known him a little bit through the years through Brian McCann. Very nice kid. Solid, smart. Got a lot of, you know, he's. Again, when you're in California and then you move other places, now does he want to, he may want to, he's such a, he's such a, He's a, he's a tough kid. He, he may want the challenge of pitching for the Yankees. But if I'm him and I get a chance to, say, go to L.A. and maybe even, you know, the Angels need to change change the uh, the whole organization, basically. <laughs> the, the tragedy that they had, right. um, what they've done with that 
that organization, the lack of pitching, the mistakes Billy Epler made, just if you can line them up like you know cordwood, <laughs> stack them up like cordwood, all the mistakes he made this offseason with signing pitchers. The owner's involved now. My man Joe Madden is over there. I love Joe. He's a great baseball guy. Um, and I think, uh, imagine if you sign Cole and you already have Trout. That already puts you on a. Uh, that already puts you in the right uh, uh, movement forward, and and maybe you can get a little better other places, and you're in much better shape. So my gut tells me if if the owner wants to spend the money, he'll he'll wind up there. And okay. I still don't think the Dodgers are out of it, simply because Boris is close to you know Boris is close to those people. Yeah, and um, and the Yankees may make it as a move that they but see. In 2008, the Yankees forced her to do it, and they signed CC because they weren't having success. They may come back to that, except one big thing we're missing here: George Steinbrenner was still alive, even right. though he, you know, he wasn't at his best then. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. Well, we'll you see mentioned what happens. Kevin. You mentioned CC, and uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to sort of give us your thoughts on uh, the end of an era. He was a he was a terrific signing for the Yankees. He wound up giving them everything that they could have ever imagined. And uh, he rides off into the sunset now, a little battered at the end. It was tough to see him leave the mound that way. But uh, your final thoughts on CC Sabathia's career? Yeah, great career. Did what you're supposed to do. Uh, he's a big sports fan. Yeah, it won't be long before you know CC will be back quickly. He's gonna he's gonna wind up on TV as an analyst or or hosting podcasts or doing shows. He just loves sports, he, you know, um, and. And, and loves being in the middle of it and, and knows what he's talking about. So, yeah, he had a great career. It's a shame, though, you know, you had to see where his career was going and the Yankees didn't see it, you know. And, again, I think they kind of got a little hamstrung there. And, um, uh, you know, he gave it all he had and to see him walk off like that. You know, it's, it's it, it was very sad, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, I read a book once about warriors and things, you know. They they. They, you know, they don't want to die in a, you know, old age home, you know, uh, shell of themselves. They want to go out in a, in a, in a, in a warrior type fashion. And, and as far as baseball players, CC was a warrior and he went out exactly how CC Sabathia should go out, you know, trying his best, giving it all, leaving all on the field. And, uh, and actually I thought after he got hurt, I thought that would be the emotional lift maybe to give the Yankees, like, we got to, you know, we saw what CC did here. Let's all give our 100%. And I thought that might get him over the hump, but it didn't. No, it didn't. Is he Cooperstown bound? Yes, no doubt. I mean, I, I've written this column before. He's definitely, in this era of pitching and this ball and these ballparks and DJ, at least like DJ LeMay, who got 26 home runs, uh, you know, the Manfred ball, uh, the size of these parks, and CC pitching, and, uh, you know, big organizations, uh, uh, tough divisions, no doubt in my mind, he's a Hall of Famer. Well, Kevin, thank you very much for your time. Uh, the World Series still has some games to be played. Obviously, Washington taking a big lead at two games to none. We'll keep an eye on that and all the offseason machinations. And, of course, you'll have it all in the New York Post. Thanks very much for your time. Anytime. Take care. We'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, Kevin. And that's Kevin Kernan, AMBS, America's most beloved sports writer, uh, covering for the New York Post, the great sport of baseball. Uh, didn't ask him because he kind of left it out there. Not 
sure how much longer he's going to do. It should have kind of asked him a little bit about that. But uh, his voice will be missed when that time comes. That's for sure. So I got to ask you before we say goodbye. Do you feel a little bit like Minnesota? The T-Wolves felt. Kyrie Irving drops 50 on them in the NBA season opener. Was that kind of the feeling that you had when he walked into the gym many years ago to face your team? Yes, it is. But the one difference is that Minnesota had the last laugh because they got the win in the end. He always nipped me in the bud right at the end. Uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, kid from West. You know, what I found out last night is that he was born in Australia. I didn't realize that. I was watching the Nets game, and apparently he moved to New Jersey when he was two. Don't know the circumstances around that. Maybe his dad, you know, had some business over there, or maybe he was playing in a a, a, a league over there. Yeah, and then decided to come back. And at any rate, we've always considered him a Jersey guy, but I guess born in Australia, but came to uh, Jersey when he was two. Anyway, West Orange guy. You had some head-to-head matchups with them. The Nets got 50 out of them last night, uh, but did not get the victory in their they home opener. They needed 51, I guess, right? Yeah, or maybe they needed Senator Richard Cody as their coach, not Kenny Atkinson. No, <laughs> I, that's a little bit of an open wound for John. I was just kind of joke. picking at it yes. a little bit. Uh, Senator Cody yes. uh, is uh, a coach of some renown of youth basketball and has won a national championship. And John and he have butted heads, if not literally. And a legend in his own mind as <laughs> I like to say certainly figuratively and yes. Kyrie Irving played a role in some of their head-to-head battles on that note as we transition from baseball to basketball we'll wrap things up on the podcast for more sports now again very much uh, I want to thank Kevin Kernan for giving us some of his time for my good friend John McAlevey I'm Matt Lachlan we'll see you next week everybody bye-bye 